0: Thank you for tuning in. We trust you will feel encouraged, uplifted, and inspired to build God's kingdom with us. Enjoy the message. We're talking about a, a little uncomfortable su- uh, subject today, so if you're a visitor, just chill with us and, and pray for those that I'm preaching at uh, this morning. You know, that's, that's maybe a cool thing to do. All right, we're speaking this year on, on a, a year of plenty. We are trusting God as kicking off and saying, yeah, may this year be a year of plenty. Can you remember the first sermon, it was plenty of? Some of you, I'm going to re-preach this series next week, okay? Faith, plenty of faith, then plenty of wisdom, then plenty of grace. Today, we're talking about plenty of giving. And I know, I can see some of you already go, I wonder what you're going to say. All right, you know, I grew up believing that the Bible is true. I grew up believing that the Bible is the inspired Word of God, that it is uh, the authoritative Word of God, that it's actually God who inspired people and spoke. To them and through them to you and me so that you and I know the heart of God and what God wants us to know. There are different translations and there's always arguments about this. Is What is the best translation? Well, people say the original translation is the King James Version. No, it's not true. Those of you who read the King James, God bless you because I don't understand that English anyway. But some of you do think it is the King James. No, it's not the original. The original is in Hebrew and in Greek. So if you really want to go original, go and read the Hebrew and the Greek. Now, some of us studied that Hebrew and Greek for four years. And when you ask me what it means, I still say it's Hebrew or it's Greek because Chakiti, you know, there's still, you know, I mean, come on, it's such a foreign language. So people have interpreted the Bible. And have given us an understanding through the King James, the NIV, the Amplified, and a whole lot of other translations. The Revised Standard Ver- Version, the American Standard Version, whatever it is. And people say, which one should I read? I read the NIV. But that's not what I want to talk about to you today. The NIV Study Bible is a great Bible. All right? But whatever somebody says, Rulof, well, if it's not what we read, it's what we do with what we read. And I said, amen. That's exactly the point. All right? So I put this on Facebook, and I had this... Discussion that suddenly came of what what is the right version? My point is not what is the right version. My point is this, that there are many selective versions today. Now listen to me. They are not always written on paper. The selective versions are how you want to interpret the Scriptures. How you would like to see it what your thoughts are about it, not what it says, but what you want it to say. That is what I call selective versions. And there will be a number of different selective versions on the topic that I'm using here. But there's only one version, and that's what the Bible says, and that's what we have got to do. You see, the selective versions is telling us what we want to hear and not what we need to hear. And that's the trouble with it. And it's this like slippery slope just going down, down, down. And it's exactly what Satan did to Eve when he said, did God really say that? That's what people are telling us. Well, the Bible says this, does that really say that? And then we come in with our own selective interpretation. Dangerous. Very dangerous. So we're going to the book this morning and see what the Bible says about finances. Now there's a lot about finances. You know, so by the way, that Jesus preached probably two-thirds of his sermons on money, finances, how to do, and what to do with it, and we are too scared to talk about it in church because then people say you're always asking for money. It's the first time in many years that I've preached a sermon on money, although we do take up the offering, and some, sometimes just so by the way we take up the offering, all right? So we're talking about Some areas of finances, that's the beginning point that is so, so necessary. But the Bible tells us to be wise with our money and a whole lot of other things as well. And you know what? I sometimes find that people say, "Rulof, is it morally wrong to buy a new car? No, it's not morally wrong, but it could be unwise. And Paul says, be wise, be wise. So if you don't have the money, you are unwise, if you can't pay it off, you're unwise. So not all the things I do with my money is morally wrong, but something is plain being unwise, and that's dangerous. But I'm not talking about that today, so let's move on. All right? So finances. Every covenant, my dear friend, and God over the years made certain covenants through the, old, through the Bible, Old Testament with Moses, with Noah, and a few others as well. And every covenant that you read involves faith, obedience, and blessing. Every covenant, faith, obedience, and blessing. That's what these covenants involve. Now, I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 28. And you say, look, are you going to go to the Old Testament? Yes, I am, because it's the Bible. It is the inspired word of God. It is not selective reading. It is reading what the Bible says. And when I talk about tithing this morning, I want to tell you Jesus endorsed it. That's enough for me. Alright, so let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. And we love reading the first part. I'm not going to read the whole, the whole chapter. But we hate reading the second part. When we love the first part, it's is, is about the blessings. It says here, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all His commands I give you today. The Lord your God will set you on a high place, um, uh, high above the nations. All these blessings will come to you and accompany you if you obey the Lord. Then he goes on and he says in verse 9, The Lord will establish you in His holy place as He promised you on earth if you keep it. And you know, every time there's a promise from God, there's a condition. If you are, if you will, if you will stay faithful and obedient. As always, when there's a promise from God, there is a condition. Even faith in Christ, although it's not by works, the condition is that you accept Him. Not everybody will get there. The condition is accepting. And then he says, "You know what? The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your your womb, the young of your livestock, and the crops of your ground, and the land He swore to your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open the heavens." There's another passage, and I'm going to read it just now, where it speaks about the heavens that will open, the storehouse of His bounty to send you on your rain on your land in season. And to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God uh, that I give you this day, and be careful to follow Him, do not turn to the side or away from it. The commandments I give you today, to the right or to the left. Let's, let's, let's just highlight a couple of things there that it says in this passage. Uh, I've, I've sort of summarized them. Can you put them on? If you... Not obey, it says fully obey. Not selectively, fully obey. Then it goes on, and carefully follow. You know, obedience to the Lord, as, as, as under grace still means I carefully want to hear what are you saying to me? I read that Bible every day, I pray every day. I wanna hear because I want to walk in your path and receive your blessing, Lord. On a day-to-day basis. Then it says, and all those blessings will come upon you and will accompany you. <laughs> That's a lack of part as well. Not just come upon you and leave, and will accompany, if you obey the Lord your God. That's a summary of that verse. I'm not going to spend too much on those verses. Then we go to Malachi chapter 3 verse 6 to 12 that we use so often when it comes to tithes, and some people have selectively excluded this chapter from the bible from their, their memory from their thoughts from their meditation because it just it comes with a price you see so god speaks to his people and the first thing he says i the lord does not change or do not change so you the descendants of jacob are not destroyed Every, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and in offerings, God says. You are under a curse. Ah, I am a New Testament believer. I am not under a curse. My dear friends, you know what the word curse means? It doesn't mean every time the word curse is used that Satan is coming upon you. It means that there's three Hebrew words for the word curse. And those particular words that means that, that you are in a dark place. You are in a cave. So, so, so let me take you to your financial woes. When you don't do it God's way, you are in a dark place. You are in a cave. He says you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. In other words, God says the whole of you Israelites, you have stopped giving what is mine. And I'll come back to that in a moment. You stop tithing. You are in a dark place. You are in a, in a cave. Because you are robbing me. And then he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Food for who? It feeds the priest and the poor. All right? That there may be food in my house. Uh, only time in the Bible where it says, test me. Test me. The Lord says, test me in this and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out on you so much blessing uh, that you will not have room enough to store it. Now immediately my thoughts go to, I will tithe and God will pour out so much money in my bank account that I will not have enough banks in South Africa to store it. That's not what it says. The interesting thing is right after that, he doesn't speak about money. He says, this is some of the blessing that you will receive. I'll prevent the, test, the pest from devouring your crops. Your vines in your field will not um, not drop, uh, drop their food. Uh, He speaks about not material stuff here or or money. He speaks about you will be blessed in that I will look after you. I will protect you. I will bless you. I'll bless your descendants, the Lord says. And then he says, then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land. Let's summarize it quickly again because it's important. There's a couple of slides here that I wanna go to quickly that is important for us to look at. Can you put them on? That passage says first of all I the Lord does not change I the Lord does not change or do not change speaking about one I don't change so what I tell you remains return to me and I return to you we want we want God first to turn to us and then we'll return to him he says no no no. you come to me and I'll come to you you rob me God is talking to people here God Does God spend money in heaven? Has God got a a, a credit card or a a debit card that he says, okay, if you put it in the bond, Christian Phillips' account, I'm going to draw it out on Monday because I need to have a new whatever, laser, whatever here in heaven. No, 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 no. He doesn't draw money. But he says, you rob me. How are you robbing me? In tithes and offerings. And he says, you are in a dark place. You are under a curse. But then he goes on and he says, in the the, the next couple of summaries, just put it on there quick. He says, listen to this. Bring the whole tithe, the whole tithe into the store. People, what is tithe? Somebody many years ago said to me, I am tithing. I'm giving 3% of my income to to the church. I said, no, you don't understand. Tithes mean tenth. So three, you're robbing God with another seven. Then it says, bring it into the storehouse. What is your storehouse? That's your place of worship. That's your church where you are getting fed and we are being ministered to you. He says, bring it into the storehouse so that there will be food in my house, so that my house will not lack. There will be abundance in my house. And then the Lord says, like I said earlier, test me in this says the Lord Almighty. When he uses the word almighty, he's serious. He's really the Lord Almighty. And then he goes on and he says, test me, says the Lord Almighty. He says, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven. Next slide. Floodgates of heaven. Floodgates of heaven. You know, my dear friend, God says, if you are obedient to me, I will open the floodgates of heaven. Let me give you a very, very deep lesson. What is the opposite of floodgates being opened? This is serious, deep stuff. Floodgates being closed. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that like, wow, that Rulof could come up with such a deep thought, you know? The opposite is if I don't honor God, he will close the floodgates. And you say, ah, you know what, my, I've got so much money in my bank and I don't tithe. I'm not speaking about money only. I'm speaking about the floodgates over your family, over your health, over many other things. God says, I will, I, if, if, if he says, if you, if you give what is mine, I will keep the pestilence from you. The opposite is, those, maybe the protection will go as well. You see, that's the opposite of all of this. And then he says, if you bring your tithe into the storehouse, I'm going to open the floodgates. There will be so much blessing in your life. So much blessing in your life. And I want to move on from that this morning by saying to you again, every covenant that God makes has, involves faith, obedience, and blessing. I've always, I've said it before, and I'll say it until one day I'm not here, or you're not here anymore. That I've always, from this high, paid my tithe. That's what my daddy taught me. It's never been an issue for me. It has always not been not mine. It's always belonged to the Lord, and I never have an issue with that. And I still don't have an issue, even when I, I'm tight. I'm just saying it is not mine, so I cannot spend what is mine. If I spend what is not mine, what am I doing? I'm stealing. So my daddy said to me, wash my car. And those days, he would give me five cents. That was a lot of money. I could buy about 40 chappies with those. You don't even know what chappies are. Some of you don't know what beaches are. Do you know what beaches is? It's not Durban beaches. It is beaches that you put in your mouth like gum. You know, that's what we used to call it, okay? I could buy a hang hangover lot, Vicks. I mean, it was big, um, Well, your your, your cheeks and everything is ducked because you put five or six of them in. I could do a lot with five cents. Mow the lawn, get 10 cents. And then my dad would come and say, Roloff, we're going to church tomorrow. What did I give you yesterday? 10 cents. What belongs to Jesus? One cents. One, okay, dad. But I would proudly, joyfully put it in there because I think that's yours, God. I will give it to you. You know what, my dear friend, Carol saw a young lady, uh, two weeks ago, a week before payday, on payday. Young mother with two small children. And they're struggling financially. They're really struggling financially. So Carol is, is standing to her and she says, you know what, I, I've got four kilometers on my car. I'm, I'm, I'm empty, I'm empty, I'm empty, I'm empty. I've got no fuel in my car. Four kilometers on my car. And i must go to the shop. And I have no money. Bing, her phone goes off. Her salary is paid in, and I'm not saying this is a miracle, but here's what she did. Her phone goes off, her salary gets on, she looks at it and she says, you know what, let me first pay my tithe. And Carol comes home and says, that is a woman of God. The first thing, the first fruits. Let me pay my, before I feed my kids, before I, I put diesel in my car, let me give to God what is His, and then the rest is mine, all right? So tithing, my dear friends, is a step of obedience, 10% of my income. It belongs to the Lord, the Bible says. It is not even mine. You know, as individuals, don't we say, This is my house, my car, my bank account, my things, my family? And when you're married, the word my changes to ours our car, our family, our children. The word my goes away. So what we did is we made it very clear when I married Carol. I said, Carol, I don't mind this hour thing. As long as your money goes into my bank. So what is yours is mine. What's mine is also mine. Is that a deal? I think she said yes. Because he was so desperate to get married to me, you see. <laughs> anyway. So in uh, so, all our lives we've understood that what we... Now, now, now we refer to that stuff as my stuff. But actually... It all belongs to God. Actually, it all belongs to God. You see, in Deuteronomy, chapter 10, verse 14, it says, Behold, to the Lord your God belongs heaven, in the highest heavens, and earth, and all that is in it, but not my money. That's what we add. But not my money. All belongs to you, but not my money. That's my hard-earned stuff, God. Then he goes in Psalm 89, verse 11. It says, the heavens are yours. The earth is yours. The world and all that it contains, the word that, and all that it contains, is yours. You have founded them. And I add, but not my money. It's okay. You can own all of it, but not my money. Genesis 14, verse 19. He blessed him and said, blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor. Of heaven and earth. And I add, but not my money. Well, yes, I money mean, yes. Haggai chapter two, verse eight, which is a little bit not more difficult. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declare the, host, the Lord of hosts. When I read this, I couldn't add there, but not my money because that's silver and gold. That belongs to God, everything. You see, it is true that on the title deed, when you pay your house off or your car off, your name is there. It says legal owner. But you know what? It is a temporary arrangement. All that you and I own, in the greatest scheme of things, it is our responsibility to look after our earthly belongings while we're living here on earth. But there's a day that's coming when all is done, when our property and possessions and money won't go with us. You're going to leave it behind for the f- People you call your kids, your sons and daughters and grandchildren, and they're going to spend it, S-P-C-A, rather leave it to them. You see, I said this before, you're never going to see a trailer behind the hearse at your funeral. And if you do think that you're going to put it all in gold stones, and you're going to put it in your box, please let me know where they bury you so that I can go and get it for myself. You can't take it with. It it belongs to God. That's the proof of it. It is on loan to you. When you buy a vehicle, you think it's yours, and one day when you die, it is not yours. So it it belongs to God. And you know what the Bible says in Philippians 4.19 is that everything belongs to God. And here's my assurance. Therefore, I can trust Him to provide for me for everything that I need. In the biggest scheme of things, everything belongs to God. Specifically, God mentions, the tithe is mine. You know, I, I, you can stand here very easy. I can stand and say, oh yes, everything belongs to God. And then God says, but Roloff, the tithe is mine. I say, you know what God Can you not lend that to me as well while while I'm on earth here? You know what? God says, that belongs to me. That's specific. The Bible says the tithe belongs to God. So if I take what belongs to God, I'm stealing from God. That's what God said to Malachi, to the people. You are robbing me, you are stealing from me. When you come back to me and you do what is right, I will pour out my blessing on you. I can't afford that. I'm living on a pension. It belongs to God. I have uh, too much said. It belongs to God. It is not yours. That's not mine. It belongs to God. You see, he considers a tithe of my income his own. His own. So people often, and I'll answer these next questions in the next couple of weeks while we take up the offering. If people say, well, do I tithe on gross or net? And then I put so much through the business and so on that my little bit I take home and says, okay, on the five grand, I'm going to it to God and i spend hundred grand. You know, come on, God's not a fool. But we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. You see, so here it is. He gives me everything. All that I have, he gives me. And then he says to me, Rulof, he doesn't ask me. He tells me in the Bible, return 10% to me. Why? But why, God? Because God knows that money changes our hearts. Don't look at me super spiritually. It's true. Money, we become attached to the stuff that we buy, that we own. Money changes stuff. So God says, you know what? It is mine. God does not need your money, but he wants your heart. And you know what I find out? He says, return to me what is mine so that your heart is attached to me and my kingdom, he says, because his heart is for the kingdom. And when I spend my money on the kingdom, my heart is connected to the kingdom. Not just to me and my stuff. You see, 10% really doesn't sound too much, does it? I mean, if you have a restaurant, you come to me and you say, "Rulof, I'll invite you for lunch today, and, 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 and you know what? I'll give you 10% of the bill. I'll go, thank you very much, but yeah, that's okay. I can go to some other place as well because 10% of 200 rand is 20 bucks. What's 20 bucks? It doesn't sound so much. You know, people, ooh, you know, I, I'm not going to give this waiter 10% of the bill. Spend 500, what is 50 rand? It's not that much. But when it comes to 10% of my income belongs to God, it is an insurmountable amount of money. I, uh-uh, whoa, 10%. No, it becomes this massive obstacle. My hard-earned money. God says, but Roloff, it doesn't even belong to you. It is mine. It belongs to me. Giving it to me will change your heart, and I will bless your life. Unfortunately, many churchgoers today struggle with the idea of tithing. One of the reasons they struggle with the idea of tithing is because they think the pastor owns it all. We're making him rich. I assure you today, as I said two years ago, nothing in this place belongs to me, except Carol. <laughs> nothing belongs to me. It is not in my name. I will inherit nothing. My kids will inherit nothing of what we have built here over a number of years it doesn't belong to me somebody while ago said to me yes Rulof, I mean I mean look at all this stuff what's the value and I told him what the value of all of this stuff is and he says you know what when you retire you're going to sell it to the the, the, the next pastor I said Phew. I walk away with nothing you know what probably in a year's time the people won't even remember me and in two weeks after I retire some people will say years I'm glad he went you know it is not true there's nothing that belongs to me. So it belongs to God. Whatever we invest here, we belong. So I struggle with the idea of tithing because I think it, I saw such a beautiful thing. I must share that with you on, on Facebook last night. Is there's this pastor from Ghana. I think he's in South Africa from Ghana. And he's been milking the people and there's drums there and they're just putting money in there. And he's promising them blessing after blessing if they just give. And so the next week or a couple of weeks later, he arrives there with the latest Land Rover. And you know, they beat him up. Huh? And I thought, yes, please. So, folks, let me just tell you. What I have, I bought and sold my property. So, I'm, that's why I, I didn't, I, I'm not stealing your tithing. So, don't beat me up in the car park because I drive a fortune. Okay. All right. But can, I, I just think, that isn't that is, so, that is so, I almost said, yes, please. I don't know how many thumbs I could put up there. Black, white, orange, pink thumbs. And I just, nail him. Clap him hard because he is stealing from God. He's stealing from God. He shouldn't be in the pulpit. And many pastors, it is true, have become extremely rich out of stuff that doesn't belong to them. It belongs to the kingdom. Now, we've got to look after our pastors. The Bible says pay them double honor. It says it. Look after them well. But when they start becoming these opulent, super rich kind of, then we say, when they drive in there, take the car, beat them up. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. But it's wrong. It's, uh, it's wrong. Some struggle with tithing, yet they come to church and they receive a blessing. When they're in trouble, we minister to them and we pray for them, but they don't want to give anything in return in something that actually belongs to God. They hold on. Others give sparingly or infrequently. Every now and then they give. You see, God intends for these tithes to be the primary way to fund His work in our community. And sometimes we need more, and then we need generosity, and I'll come back to that again. Sadly, many churches today are struggling financially because their people refuse to tithe. The tithe is important. It is important to God. So important, folks, that He actually says this, and it's going to be on the board. It says, the tithe belongs to the Lord. The, The tithe is holy unto the Lord. The tithe is consecrated, set aside for the Lord. It is like saying, my gifts are consecrated to the Lord. So when God gives me a gift, I say, Lord, my gift belongs to you. Uh, That's easy. I mean, Lord, I've got a singing voice, but this blinking church has never recognized it. 25 years I've been saying I'll sing, and they've never invited me. But I still believe you've got, that's me, Asanda. They don't want to use my gift of singing. But, but you know what? You have a gift. Now, now, it's easy for you. Here's my singing voice, God. Or here's my counseling voice, God. Or my counseling ability. Lord, here's my, my administration skills. Lord, I can, I, I'm a plumber and I can do that for you in, in, in the church and, and so on. I can do that kind of stuff. But when it comes to my money, it's not consecrated wholly unto the Lord. It is mine. The Bible says the tithe belongs to God. It is not yours to steal. It's not mine to steal. It is not ours. Yeah, but theologically, you can philosophize, you can, theological arguments can, it is a matter of the heart. Will I do what God tells me to do? That's the issue here. You see, it is also very tragic, apart from being disobedient, when we don't tithe, because God doesn't just use the tithes to fund his work, but he also uses it to draw our hearts to him. But on top of that, apart from using it for his work and drawing our hearts to them, he also, in return, desires to bless you. It's the Bible, my friend. He desires to bless you. And if you don't do that, you're actually shortchanging yourselves. And I'm not speaking about blessing of money only. Some, for some, it can be that way. But I said to somebody this morning, as they were sitting in front you and I said, your sons are following Jesus. Isn't that amazing, amazing blessing? Your kids are following Christ. Isn't that much more worth than money? Would you rather take a million rand in your bank account, Septi and Asanda, and see your kids go to hell, or would you rather see your kids go follow Jesus and say, keep the million? I, don't, I, I Really, I live in a shack as long as my kids go to heaven. You see, by resisting what God asks from us, we also miss out on what he has for us. Can I repeat that? It went over some people's heads. By resisting what God asks from us, we also miss out what God has for us. And that's sad. Now, three things, and I'll close, about money that God speaks about. Number one, I've already said it, and I'm not gonna go over that again. The tithe belongs to God, so he wants you to tithe. Number two, with your money, is he wants you to properly provide for your family. Now you say, oh, yesterday I'm going to commit suicide because I can't do this. No, no, no. Just start doing it. Work hard and look after your family. Because I came across this verse many years ago that, that really, really knocked me stone hard. It's 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for the members of his household, and those days servants who used to live with you and, and stuff as well, I was like, listen to what it says. He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever so God says look after your family guys girls look after your family I love it when people say I'm going to do this for my family I'm going to do this for my family and I think fantastic that is amazing that is amazing but then the last thing and I want to park a little bit here is that God encourages us with our finances to be generous now let let, look at the generous issue here second Corinthians chapter 9 verse 69 it basically says this remember this Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not under compulsion or uh, or reluctantly, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and all times, having all you need, you also will abound in every good works. They have freely scattered the gifts to the poor. It is written, their righteousness endures forever. Summarize this verse with me quickly. Remember this. Sow sparingly, reap sparingly. Sow generously, reap generously. Biblical principle, a farming principle. None of you, very few of you have have come from farms. I know. You hoist some seeds in there. It produces much more than what you've put in there. And next year, you say, no, 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 I'm not gonna sow these seeds because I'm scared that the hail will come and that this will come. so." So I'm not gonna say. And the season after that, what do you reap? Zero, because you have not sown. You've been stupid. So the year now, instead of sowing, you've eaten your seeds and you must go and borrow from your brother next door. So sowing is a biblical principle. It's a natural principle. But then it goes on and he says this, you know when it comes to generosity, the Bible doesn't say percentage or even that you have to do it. It encourages us to do it. Because it says don't do it because you have to. Don't do it, you know, you, you shouldn't do this reluctantly or under compulsion. In other words, nobody will pressurize you into uh, gi- giving generously. That is up between you and the Lord. As you decide in your heart to give, not with tithes. Tithe is compulsory. Tithe is what belongs to God. But generosity is in your lap. And I love this scripture because sometimes people say, but Roloff, I can't give much. I'm poor. I do tithe, but you know what? I can. And that woman in the Bible, it came with a little, 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 little coin to Jesus. And I paraphrase her a little phrase. And she, she probably came to the temple and sort of just, you know, put it in the bag there and hoped that nobody would see her. And Jesus tells a story about her in the Bible. That woman. Not the dude that came up there with a million bucks and put it in there and say, you know, that woman. So what is Jesus saying to us? Don't ever say, I have nothing to give. I don't ever say that. Generosity doesn't mean the amount. It's the heart. That's what it is. All right? So sowing and reaping is biblical. And then he says, if you decide in your heart, this is the bit I like. God sits there and he says, I love A cheerful giver. I love a cheerful giver. That's what he says. I love it. It excites God when we are cheerful, when we can bless, and when we can give. And then he promised, he says, I will bless you abundantly. Now, I'm telling you, my dear friend, as you listen to me this morning, financially, I'm average. And I say this so often, and I rejoice in the Lord. I live an average life. I live a good life. I live an average life. Because we have bought property and sold property. And that's how we paid our house over many years. And, And we don't owe anything to the bank. Because we've bought and sold. Not because I've pulled out millions out of the church. But that's not for me important at all. I have an abundance when I look at my family. I'm rich. My kids follow Christ. My grandkids love Jesus. And they're small and I pray for them every day. My both... Cattle's parents and my parents followed Christ. We have a heritage that is amazing. You can start that today for the generations to come. That's what my great grandfather did for generations to come. And we're just following in his footsteps. There's a harvest. God says tithe because I want to reach the lost in your community. Be generous because I want to be generous to you as well. I love it. God, God loves a cheerful giver. God is a generous God. He doesn't withhold the blessings, even if you think about it, if you think it is true. Let me tell you something. I promise you this because the Bible says it. A cheerful, generous person will never have lack. Your needs will always be met. Not your wants. Your needs will always be met. I'm closing with a couple of scriptures and then a a little story. Here's why I'm saying that A generous person will never have luck. Proverbs chapter 11, 24 to 25 says this. It says, one person gives freely. This is the NIV. Yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly. It says, if you understand what the English means there, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes will be refreshed. That's what my Bible says. He says, a generous person will not have luck. Now, let me go to the Amplified version and see what it says there on the board. It says, there is one who generously scatters, yet increases all the more. And there's one who withholds what is justly due. Unduly, that's what it means. Withhold what is justly due. Could it be, I'm asking, that a person sitting in a rowboat who has not had a meal and I have food in my stomach and enough money that it's justly due for me to give them something? Could it be? Could that, is that maybe what it means or just one of the things that it means? All right. So then it goes on. It says, the generous man is a source of blessing and he shall be prosperous and enriched. And he who waters will himself be watered, reaping the generosity that he has sown. A generous person will not lack. Last translation in the message. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. I love this bit. The world of the generous just gets larger and larger. It doesn't mean more houses, more cars. It just gets your life just get big. I have a friend that I haven't met yet, and I'm hoping to meet him this week. He responded to our call. as B.I. Pakati, I think is his surname. Have you seen him on Facebook, just giving and giving and giving? He's my friend. I don't know him. He's never seen me. I've never seen his face because he's never seen his face, shown his face on the videos that he has made, but I love him too, but I think his world is so big. It is so enlarged because of what he has given. He says the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. My dear friends, let me tell you a true, 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 true story in closing. Dear friends of us, all the couple, married for the second time. Both their spouses died, so they married together. They, after 10 years of being alone, they were friends for many years, so they married. they pensioners. They're not poor, but they're not well-off rich either. They, they watch their pennies. So they now split everything 50-50. But it's like a sweat because they're living in this one's house and this one owns a house there. And you better pay some of your rent to me because you're living in my house. And, what, and this is marriage. This is very exciting. This is, I don't know, you know, this is not how we live. Like I said, whatever is mine and it's mine and whatever cattle is also mine. So that's fantastic. We, we do it like that. It works well. Um, <laughs> so, so now, yes, everything is calculated. I'm not putting in more than you. It's 50-50 this. And I'm sitting there and I think, ooh, Generosity. We go out eating and the bill is taken and scrutinized. Ah, I didn't have that. I had this. 150 difference. Ah, I give 2% as a tip. And I go, no. I said to the person, please, you're embarrassing me. You're totally embarrassing me. I, I do the tip today because now you're embarrassing Hey, I said, no, 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 no. You eat. This person. We'll probably go to a shack after you shift. Don't, don't, don't embarrass me. Please don't embarrass me. All right, so I paid the tip. Thank you for that. Anyway, so this is, so now even if it's 200 Rand, the tip is never more than two Rand, five Rand. I go, no, man. So they buy a two-liter ice cream, two-story. They buy a two-liter ice cream, put it in the fridge. <laughs> they, they have supper that night. And the husband gets up and he decides to dish some ice cream up for her and for himself. And he puts it on the table. True story. Sits down. And she looks at this plate and says, you have more than I have. Uh, Serious? True story. And he he says, no, I don't. Yes, you have. (laughs) 50-50. This is not yours. It's our ice cream. A big fat argument. Gets up finds the scale, puts both ice creams, 100 gram, 102 gram, I don't know exactly what it was, major argument, years later denied it, but we were there, that's such a beautiful picture of generosity, isn't it, you know, I look at my wife, and there is generosity in action. And I've seen her, how she loved our kids and just gave to our kids. And, and sometimes mothers give their food to their children. She is what? She's much, that's why she was very generous. She's much thinner than me. I ate her food. <laughs> I ate her food and her ice cream. She doesn't weigh, she doesn't weigh the ice cream. I hit the scale. I think. So we just guess. I said, Yeah, no, no they're, the same. they're the same. I look at Amore, uh, one of our, our daughters in law, and I just see, you know, Bryce has got his plate of food i has got a plate of food and then two kids around her plate of food as well. I think that's a mother. So generous. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Those kind of stories. You see, the world of the generous grows larger and larger. i want to tell you a story, but I'm not going to tell you the story, so it's not a good thing. God challenged me so much on something that I wanted this week. I wanted something this week. And I was going to buy it. And God said to me, you don't need it but you know of somebody who needs that money that you were going to put into that thing that you don't need. Give him that money. And it happened while I was preparing my sermon. That was a bad timing. So I went to my wife and I said, Carol, do you agree? It's a good sum of money. And she says, let us do it. Let us do it. And I'm, I'm waiting for the day that I can hand that money over to that person. Because you see, I want to buy them a car. That's what I trusted God for. And so the Lord says, no, you don't need that. You want that. He needs that more than you want that. Wow. Man, it was a challenge for me this week. Because you know what? We are selfish human beings. I am. I am. I would love to. Be generous. Stop at every robot and give all cattle's shoes and dresses away that she never uses. I would love to. I, will, I, I said to the Lord, I'll be generous. I'll give all my wife's shoes away. You know? But it's not costing me anything. It's not costing me anything. Hey? So, will I get something? You know, and, and I, I don't give to get. I really don't. I've, I've passed that long time ago. I give because I want my heavenly Father to sit in heaven saying, that's my boy. I love him." I love him. May 2020 be a year of plenty for you and me as we give plenty away. Don't go yet because this is only because of the program this morning. It's not because I'm trying to manipulate you. I'm going to ask the you to come forward and we're going to take up the offering now. Please, if you feel like I've preached this and taken the offering afterwards for a reason, don't give because that's not what I did. But I want us to be generous. I want you to go home and be quiet. Just sit sit here and be quiet for a while. As the ushers come forward, ask yourself this and say, Lord, what am I going to do today to be obedient? It's the beginning of the month. To be obedient and give my tithe to you into the storehouse. Help me. I'll do that. I'm going to do it because your word says it. And then after you've done what is rightfully and give rightfully what is God, then ask the Lord, Lord, help me this month to be generous. You know, and now, now I'm not talking just about money. Can, can, can I tell you, sometimes a person that is single needs to be, stand up, just be generous to a person maybe sometimes. and that's all they need. You're going to be okay. <laughs> sometimes that's the best gift. To a person that sometimes just needs a hug. Or just say, hey man, you're doing well. Keep on going. Don't give up. A word of encouragement. Yo, that's a big gift. That's a big gift to some people, you know. And, uh, and I want you to ask, Lord, Lord, just make me generous this week. Generous. By demonstrating the love of Jesus to other people. Bible says that the love of God, the grace of God, draws people to Repentance.